162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com. Today on the Zabecast, a distinctly dollars and cents edition with Professor of Sports Marketing and Law at Georgetown University, Marty Conway, joining me. What's the Live Tour's ultimate goal? The Nats are for sale. What are they worth? We'll talk NBC and their commercial loads, Amazon's big announcer money, and the upcoming NBA free agency season. Your bonus, uncensored, 35-minute edition of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. Thank you for downloading and welcome to the summer solstice, the longest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. I must admit, I love this day so much for the warm, delicious sunlight that basks us for nearly... Well, let's see. Sun's up at 5 or it's it's light out at 5 a.m., uh, at least in the mid-Atlantic. Even earlier, the farther north you go, and it is light out until damn near 9 o'clock or later. I love it. There was a local golf magazine called Washington Golf Monthly that used to run an event on this day every year in which they would have people sign up to play as many holes as they can on this longest day of the year, on one golf course, to raise money for charity. And I never got to play in it. And now that I maybe could theoretically take a day off to play in it, uh, the magazine doesn't exist anymore. I don't think they do the tournament anymore. Or if they do, I haven't heard about it in a while. So anyway, I, uh, I would love to play as much golf as possible on this very day, the longest day of the year. Literally be out of the course the moment... It's light enough to see where your shots are going and then squeeze out the last dying bit of light would be fantastic. Before we get to Marty, quick email. This one from Andrew in Indianapolis, uh, Andrew Morin. He writes to say, Zabe, regarding the Father's Day stuff, I was particularly moved because my father who passed away uh, in 2016, was a huge sports fan. And it's no doubt that's where I got it from. I don't think he had a great childhood growing up, and I don't think he had a chance to go to games or other events very much. So he made it a point when he had kids to and had some success and money to try to get to as many things as he could. This gave me a chance to go to a lot of great games as a kid and became a huge part of our relationship. Anyway, he was mostly a fan of the big four sports, but when I saw, but when he saw that I was interested in auto racing at a young age, he started following it himself. 
And then he made it a point to take me to Indianapolis early on in my life for practices and qualifying. I grew up in Cincinnati, ended up actually living here in Indianapolis now as an adult. And eventually in my teenage years, we started going to the 500 day race or five, the Indy 500 on race day from 97 until he passed, no matter where I was, what I was doing college or afterwards, I knew we'd always be getting together on Memorial day weekend to attend the race. I love the racing for the sport of it, but part of what makes the event so special to me is the tradition, both the events traditions and the traditions for those who attend the race, the fathers and the sons and the families. He said at that point on, I was inspired to find some similar annual sports event or weekend uh, to make an annual tradition with my son. That's what it's really all about. Andy and Indy, beautiful stuff, man. All right, let's talk to my man, Marty Conway. Nothing like supergroup ABBA to bring our, in our guest today. Marty Conway, professor of sports marketing and business at Georgetown University, former sports marketing uh, executive with Major League Baseball, the commissioner's office, the Orioles, the Rangers, and others. Were you an ABBA fan back in the day? No, uh, Zabe, everyone's an ABBA fan. I mean, I, there's <laughs> no getting away from it. Yes, so, ABBA. Yeah. <laughs> the sweetest super group we love. Exactly. So we got a lot to talk about in the sports world. It always comes down to money. That's why they play professional sports for the money. So let's get to it. Let's start with the live tour. I sense, Marty, that you think I'm still naive about the live tour's danger to the PGA Tour. And I'm open to being persuaded on it. But before I let you go off on your uh, 101 on it, I just say I think the Live Tour is destined to fail because it has no goals other than to poach whatever stars they can from the PGA Tour. If they've got revenue goals, I haven't heard them. If it's got distribution goals, I haven't seen them. If it plans to put the PGA Tour out of business, I haven't heard it, and I don't think that's even possible. So much like a sailor without a destination cannot hope for a favorable win, Marty, a league or a tour without goals, it's not going to succeed, which doesn't mean it'll go away tomorrow or next year. It can survive for a long time. But what is success for this tour? Well, those are good questions, and I I do think, Look, um, we talk about the live tour and we often talk about the backing of the Saudi public investment authority and, and all of that is accurate. But of course, we also know that this is really a Greg Norman project and Greg Norman has been after, quote unquote, I think the PGA tour and the world tour and others for a long time. And now I believe he has found a vehicle with enough funding to last as long as necessary uh, to, to bring, you know, bring another element to, to golf, which I believe he believes. And I think more European players and international players believe this than say American players, uh, or, you know, PGA tour card holders. Um, so I I don't know, and we don't know. And as the, you know, famous philosopher said, we'll see, uh, (laughs) it takes as long as necessary to learn this because I think, 
what I've understood this and I've talked to people, I, I spent a good deal of time for three or four years working with um, people in the Gulf region. Obviously, it was mostly about the World Cup, but we had a lot of people coming from Saudi to our program and various other countries there. And one of the things that they used to chide me on often was this concept that they considered um, sort of made up of Western media and academics called sport washing. And that was the term that has been labeled uh, in the live tour. And their position on this universally was, so, Professor, you're telling me that you call your colleagues call it sport washing when things don't emanate from North America or Western Europe. That's their view, that if things tend to start in the Middle East or the Gulf region, the rest of the world seems to want to label that all the same, whether it's the World Cup in Doha or the Live Tour, you know, uh, funded by Saudi public you know, wealth. And I think it's an interesting perspective because it brings another dimension, because what I'll tell you for sure, I know, is that for decades now, not just golf, but tennis, football, soccer, you name it, WWE, they have been making these pilgrimages largely to Saudi, but other parts of you know the UAE and Dubai right. all throughout, looking for what they called growth of the game, <laughs> right? That was their phrase, growth of the game. But they were looking for money. They yeah. were looking for money, and that was a great place to get money from. Um, and so, but it comes with this notion. So, and I was just talking to people the other day about. I went back and looked at the most recent Saudi Invitational, which was in February of 2022. And if you look at that field, I think there were 30 players. I'm not mistaken. Go through that list today. Anybody who's listening, you or anybody else, go through that list today. And check off the number of people who were played there in February yeah. with the full provision of the PGA mm-hmm. or, the, or the DP World Tour who have now joined the Live Tour. I think it's close to two-thirds, 20 of them, perhaps. And so at the time, it was good for golf at that time. But obviously now it's not because it's perceived differently as a challenge to the tour and all that, not a supplement to the tour. So I think that's where we are. We are in the we'll see aspect of it. But I think there are forces around the world that we don't quite comprehend here in the U.S. who want to see this through and want to make it work. Now, I don't know what that combination will be. Obviously, if they get world golf ranking points, uh, approval in the future, that will change the nature of what they'll be doing. So all this will play out, I think, over time. But there is no question that the money is there yeah. for the long term. That's sure. a that's a fair take. Uh, Willie Sutton once said when asked, why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money is. <laughs> right. Literally, FBI's most wanted Willie Sutton. Look it up. It's on <laughs> Google. It, it's a real thing. And, and that's why they go to Saudi for the money. Personally, I don't even really touch on the sports washing thing because – like a lot of us, we understand there's many other uh, odious regimes yep. in the world yep. that are involved yep. in sports and support sports. So that's it. I think, and you, the Norman angle is huge. I think what Norman is trying to do is he's trying to get this generation of players paid for what mm-hmm. they have done in a sort of yeah. pseudo 
guaranteed yeah. mega contract sense because when Norman was the number one name in golf for a long period before Tiger came along, he had to earn his money on the course, tooth and nail every tournament along the way. He made his fortune, though, in wines and golf courses and this other stuff, which give him credit for. I think he sees these guys like Brooks Kepka and DJ and Phil as stars somewhat on par with NBA or NFL stars who aren't yeah. being able to reap sort of guaranteed contracts. So I think his strategy was we're going to start this tour. We're going to pay you obscene amounts of money and we're going to eventually watch the tour fold and let this tour exist alongside. But right now yeah. he's run into the roadblock where, you know, the tour has dug their heels in, I guess, again, we'll yeah. see if the tour can hold the fort for a longer period. Yeah, now the development last week where the DP tour is now, I think they have an event in Germany. Yeah, they released allow, their guys. Yeah, they're going to allow them to play and live and actually play in there. Why, so why do you think they did that? Well, they look, they've got a difference. Look at their players. Lee Westwood, Sergio. They've got a number of players who, yes, they're in their 40s and maybe their best days are behind them. But they are still the they draws throughout that part of the world, yeah. right? And all, no matter where they go throughout Europe or take turns to Asia. So it's a different environment. And, and so coming back to that, I think it was interesting. A couple of things that I heard that I picked up on. Number one, John Rahm talked about the differences in the tournaments and three days and scramble starts and no cuts. And I was listening to him and I thought, wait a minute. What is the WGC? And I went to look it up. It's seventy-two. It's seventy-two holes, seventy-two invited players, no cut. Four days, no cut, <laughs> right. invited players. Right. And I thought he started questioning: Is he is he just not like shotgun starts? Because he, I'm sure, would rather play three days instead of four. And then Rory stood up and he's talked many times about the the issues and Saudi and all that. And I thought. Wait, a Northern Ireland guy? Is there been a country oh with as much conflict <laughs> over that time period? And I thought, surely. But here's the issue, and you may know this. The golf media is really interesting. It's different and apart from all the rest of the sports media because the golf media plays golf. I mean, they are totally invested in the game. The baseball media, those guys don't play, maybe didn't play baseball. Mm -hmm. The football media, those guys didn't play, maybe don't play, you know, play football. But the golf media really rallies around the core of the golf, which is the PGA and the USGA and the RNA and all of that. So it's a different environment. And but I think this will subside over time and we'll see what that coexistence looks like. But I'm sure to tell you that there are forces throughout the Middle East and the Gulf region who are adamant that they can have a leverage point in many sports, Formula One, golf, tennis, you name it, um, because that's where the growth of the world's population is occurring and money is flowing to that direction. So we may not like it. People may not like it here, um, but I, I think it's something that will exist and we'll see what the relationship is going forward. Yeah. The Polter, Keimer, Westwood, Garcia, McDowell, uh, five pack of former Ryder Cuppers still sells tickets at Euro tour events. So they may not be competitive, but they sell tickets. So they really were between a rock and a hard place when it comes to, do we ban these guys or not? So there you go. Hey, by the way, what the hell does DP stand for? I literally have no idea. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a commercial brand. It's a sponsorship brand. So what is, it? um, I what think is it's uh commercial products, housing, um, you know, what I want to say, like residential building products and things like that. You don't even know what it stands for, Marty. 
DP. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that's the DP that I know. Put it that way. That's the DP company that I know. They do a lot of products that you use around the house and you fix things in your house, all, all tile, all okay. kinds of things like that. Is that a European brand? Is that something? It is. Okay. Yeah, it's not it's Home Depot. It's not Lowe's. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not. All right. Hey, while we're on golf and then we'll move to the Nationals and Major League Baseball and plus Amazon's big announcer spending, um, a lot of people bitching about NBC's commercial load. At the U.S. Oh. Open, I'm a little bit more even-handed about it, saying, "Hey, what do you want?" You know, it's like the Masters spoil us, yeah. our online habits spoil us. At some yeah. point, you're going to get hit with commercials. Now, you said to me in a text, you said, "Well, look, if you're not going to pay for it via Peacock, their streaming yeah. service, then guess what? Yeah. You're going to pay for it with your attention." Yeah, rice fees have gone up, and and the USGA continues to upcharge. You remember. Fox had a run with the USGA for a while, and that didn't work out, and NBC jumped back in. But at that level, your options today in the modern TV uh, media world are streaming, non-streaming, cable bundle, right, ESPN, et cetera. NBC is saying we're still free over-the-air television. You, you could still get that with rabbit ears ever. But in order to pay for that, you have to pay with your attention because, yes, you might be getting it for free over the air, but the costs have gone up. And so if they're not going to mo- be able to monetize it on Peacock, where you're paying six, seven, eight dollars a month, whatever your subscription fees turn out to be, you're going to pay for that with your attention going forward. So I fully suspect that as things continue to be on CBS or NBC or other places, again, the Masters is a completely different environment. They don't need as much money. They right. don't want as much money. But the rest you're going to put up with more of a Super Bowl type approach where, you know, you're going to see extended commercials like you see in the Super Bowl or the World Series, because that extra 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds is what's paying for your ability to watch technically, so to speak, for free. Even though I know most people get their network via cable, but take into account that people are still considered free over the air television. Yeah. Golf fans are also insatiable. Uh, addicted psychopaths who want to see every single shot. And that's unrealistic for as many golfers in the field. And also, you know, the bottom line is this. Uh, if you're Mike Wan of the PGA Tour, or excuse me, Mike Wan of the USGA, you have to push hard against your broadcast partner to not break the relationship with the fans because it is your product, the US Open. They're putting forward and if there's just way too many commercials that puts a bad taste in people's mouth yeah it's a balance and again you see this now with side by side it's something that started in auto racing and soccer where there was no natural breaks and now they've tried to move it look from an advertiser's perspective there's only certain value to a side by side where your commercial is running while the action is still going on they're paying you a hundred percent for 100% of your attention. So some of these things where they're trying to see, have it both ways. But as I said, ultimately, I think on these major networks where the, pro- the property itself isn't going to require or limit things, they're going to be able to monetize it as they need to because the cost of these rights fees continues to a- accelerate at you know yeah. phenomenal numbers. Does, and we, you know, we've seen that. Does a side-by-side go for less than a full commercial? Well, it doesn't necessarily go for less because you buy it as a package, okay. but you might see some of those running. So if you're buying 8, 10, 12 units in a telecast, you might be getting two of those side by side and 10. So it's it's part of that package. Do they, they've experimented with six-second commercials and right. all sorts of ways to sell it. <laughs> Do the advertisers grind their teeth at the side by side thinking, ah, 
we hate yeah. this. They do. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just sort of accept it and move on because you're not going to sway anybody when they can still watch something else. Or now it's an excuse to get up and go get whatever their beverages or, or whatnot. So yeah. Yeah, I, it absolutely. seems to me like I, if I'm an advertiser, it's the same either way because yeah, you're getting full attention on a full ad, but it's, it's it literally I'll get up like anyone else and go to the bathroom and get a drink yeah. and then I'll miss yeah. the ad entirely. At least I'm going to stay there for the side by side. You know, we're driven by the search for better when it comes to hiring. The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, let's move on. The Nationals are up for sale. Uh, and I'm wondering, A, when was the last time a major league team that has won a World Series has mm. been sold? What is it likely to go for? And why is the mm. Lerner family selling the franchise and not handing it off to one of their kids or grandkids? Yeah, those are really great questions. I think the last one first, which I think caught people by surprise, which was because Mark Lerner had said publicly more than once, this this is for our family. We're keeping it. When when Bud Selig agreed to sell the team to Ted Lerner, one of the things that he overtly and also I know they prefer to sell it to a single family uh, who has you know decades of wealth, et cetera, et cetera, because they want that continuity. Something changed, and I think the something that changed certainly was COVID and pandemic and and other elements. And then I believe as the family looked at this, and again, this is an extended family. You have Mark. You have his sisters. They have husbands. I think there was some debate. And then thirdly, the Masson agreement or or the dysfunction in the Masson agreement changed a lot of things. And so during that process, I believe they looked at this and said, we have this asset here. And if we're not going to be able to draw from it on a yearly basis, meaning draw out equity, cash, whatever it is, then the way that we fund our future family is through the sale of this, split it up three, four ways, whatever, ultimately it's going to be split and on they go. Now, do I believe that maybe they would keep a percentage to, in other words, to be able to keep the value going in the future? Yes. But I think from an operating standpoint, I think they've realized our benefit is selling that operating control and, and cashing out on that funding, whatever we need to do for our generational families. But I do, I think the commercial real estate market has changed forever, people working remotely. And then I think the damage, and we're starting to see it now, the damage of COVID to professional sports owners, you're seeing teams' percentages sold, you're seeing private equity come in and take percentages, 
it really has rippled through them for the last really? two years. Why, hockey, basketball, baseball. Why aren't they back? I mean, I mean, close to close to square one from where we were pre-pandemic. Are they not back to making money? Well, even uh, Gary Bettman said this the other day publicly when he talked about two years, you know, since the NHL's been back. He even quoted, he said, I believe the percentage was 88%. He said, we're basically back at 88% of our revenue levels pre-2019, right? Well, that's so bad. That long, I look yeah, at that as 12% down out of nowhere. That sucks. And in my world, 88% is a B plus, Zabe. So <laughs> yeah, that's right, Professor. <laughs> right. It's a B plus. It's 88% after two years yes. of huge losses. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so that's why you can always get money because you can you know, finance the asset. You can get additional loans. But those come at percentage points and all of that. So, again, I think we're starting to see – the, the funnel, there's there's teams that we've talked about, teams that we're not going to talk about, soccer teams, other things, which have gone through this now. And without real generational wealth to keep them going, they've had to do everything they can. And now some of them have just said, it's just yeah. too much. Our future is better without it. And, uh, but, and again, there's, of all of this, sports teams continue to accelerate at 14, 15% annual um, increases in yeah. their value. And we're just not seeing that with other assets except, you know, paintings and art and right. things like that. So yeah. that that's what's at play here. Yeah, these poor billionaires were so sad. Well, should Nats fans exit question on this topic before we move to the last couple? Um, should Nats fans be worried that perhaps an unsavory owner who's not as committed to spending and winning as the learners were, come in and run this team as sort of a zombie franchise. I saw where people are pissed at the Oakland A's because their owners are just taking the competitive balance dollars, putting them in their pocket, and then they're continuing to sell off their good young talent. And people are like, hey, what are you doing? You're not even trying. Yeah, no, this is a different environment. You could not do that in D.C. D.C., like Philadelphia, like some others, it's that kind of market where you're going to have to invest. Now, you know, would somebody come in and immediately offer Warren Soto 400 million? I don't know. Perhaps they say, no, we're going to rebuild around whatever we could get there. That would be a difficult decision in your first 12 months to decide on something like that. But no, I don't think so. And I don't think major league baseball, Oakland is such a different Tampa, is such a different circumstance, the size of the market, the lack of media money, different things like that. Washington continues to, to thrive through COVID through recessions and all that. It's almost recession proof with government spending. So right. putting a competitive team, one that is strong and has solid uh, general manager work, I, I think it's a super investment. I think they may approach $2 billion by the time this is all said and done in terms of the price tag for the team. And what they buy it for, do you remember? Roughly? They bought it for a half a billion. I think it was 500 and some million at the time in 2005 for Major League Baseball. Well, yeah. Not, a, not no, a bad deal right there. All right. Uh, Amazon continues to spend big on announcers for their NFL package and whatnot. This is, Marty... One of the greatest times to be alive if you're a television sports announcer, almost of any caliber of stripe. If you're the big guys like Buck and Aikman, you hit the lottery. If you're some of the smaller fish uh, like you know NFL Network types like Kay Adams and whatnot or Carissa Thompson, you're also hitting the lottery on a smaller scale. You know They've got unlimited Amazon money. They want to make a splash. They want to get the best talent to get off on the right foot. So they're just throwing the money out the door. I mean, it's wild, but I can't hate it, other than the fact it's not me. 
Look, it's the concentric circles around the NFL, right? The NFL is in the middle. It's the biggest rock in the pound. The ripples. But when it it splashes, right? And this is what we're seeing because in order to be considered a legitimate for a legitimate media buy, you don't go to the what they call the upfronts in the summer with the network. You don't get in there unless you have a name. major sports, yeah. right? And number one, major sports. And number two, if you're starting up or, or you're looking to rebound, all other than the games, all you have to sell is the talent, right? right. And so that's who, that's who gets up on stage at the upfronts and talks about how great this is going to be and glad hands and schmoozes as a part of it because they're those networks are booking deals then in the summer and and late summer to do it and so that type of investment is almost required now and as i said we're starting to see those concentric circles and if you're amazon first time in and you don't know what your schedule is going to be or the type of games and everything else you have to talk about your talent and espn needed to revive themselves knowing that they would get better games but at the end of the day, they're just trying to hang on to whatever they could because there's a drainage, as we know, of pay television bundles. And as that continues to drain, you know, ultimately it's like fewer eyeballs, but we've got to grab other eyeballs from other places, from CBS and all that. And you do it through games, you do it through the talent, and you do it through the technology of your game itself. All right, last one. NBA free agency season is coming up after the draft, and the big name that people are going to be talking about, even though he's technically not a free agent, is Kyrie Irving. Uh, What a complicated case Kyrie Irving is as a player and as a guy who wants a max deal, but also as a guy who, you know, through his own moral convictions, uh, missed half the season last year with the Nets. What do you think happens there? Well, he is he he will be the number one pursuit of the market, whether it's the Lakers or the Knicks or you know anybody else that can afford that level. But what you're seeing is continued pre-agency or being able to force their hand in the NBA, and you're seeing sort of power in fewer and fewer players, right? And so whether he goes to the Lakers or whether he goes to uh, 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 the uh, the Knicks, the other issue that the Nets have is. Even Joey Sai has said he wants to be a billion-dollar enterprise. Well, you can't do that without winning. Yeah. So um, ultimately, I think it's a concern for general managers because I think it is increasingly harder for them to have the time to build a competitive team. Uh, look, Milwaukee was able to do it for a bit of time. Memphis looks like they might be able to do it. But the number of franchises that look like they can do that in the NBA and be competitive, which is why when you look at the numbers of the NBA Finals – they were down, they down considerably, but when you open the hood and look inside, the number of younger viewers from pre-2019 to now is down by one-third. The, the, um, the money demographic, the 18 to 34, the 18 to 49, is off by one-third from where they were in 2019, and that's a concern for the NBA. Wow. All right. Uh, Dubai Port World is our answer. Dubai Port World, that is <laughs> yeah. the DP World Tour. Okay. So, okay, so there you go. Once UAE, again, Dubai. Right? <laughs> Dubai. Right. Middle East. That's yep. where the money is. So yes. go figure. Uh, Marty, always a great chat. Thank you for your time today. Be well. We'll talk soon. All right, Dave. Thanks. There you go. Son of a bitch, I posted that one up really good. 
All right, let's end on this. Since it is summer solstice, and since I'm a fan of silly songs, I've got to play for you guys today one of my favorite silly songs, and that is Stonehenge, not by Spinal Tap, but by Y. Elvis, which I think he goes by Y. Elvis. His real name is Vigard Ilvisiker. Ilvisiker. He's Norwegian, and he used to host a TV talk show. And on the talk show, apparently one of the co-hosts started getting into, you know, Stonehenge and being fascinated by it. Um, and so it became a running bit to the point where they wrote a song and recorded a song and actually shot this great professional looking video as an homage to Stonehenge, which is believed to be a monument that was constructed specifically uh, to, you know, celebrate, appease the sun gods or do something uh, of similar nature, especially around the solstices, the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, and the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. But if you like silly songs, my friend, you have got to check this one out. My life is so successful I got everything a man could ever need I got a thousand dollar haircut And I even have a talk show on TV. He did have a talk show. It was called Eichveld Med Ilvis, or Tonight with Ilvis, or Why Ilvis. I can't get out of my head. (laughs) What's the meaning of Stonehenge? It's killing me that no. Knows why it was built 5,000 years ago. Why did they build the Stonehenge? How could they raise the stone so high completely without the technology? <laughs> we have to die. Such tortured rhyming. When I make I'm the king. I have no idea what this is all about, but it's a kitchen scene with his wife. A wife applauds me in the kitchen when I tell her all I bought is from the local store. So pointless. And when the kids have gone to bed, we're all alone. She gives me a smile. Then she plays with my balls (laughs) But all I think of is Stonehenge I think about it when I dream The biggest heads that I have ever seen What's the purpose of Stonehenge? A giant granite birthday cake Or a prison far too easy to escape That's 
a hint or two. And with that, we say happy summer solstice. We'll see you tomorrow. 162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.com.